Hello and welcome to Australian Gothic, a podcast about cursed Australiana. It's Christmas Day in the colony. It's a stinking hot, humid day and your ass is firmly planted in a plastic outdoor chair that you know you'll have to painfully unstick yourself from when you will inevitably be pressured into playing a game of backyard cricket or totem tennis. In the meantime, you decide to have another crack at the snacks. You wiggle your fingers greedily over a circular sectioned Tupperware snack server that contains sliced cabana, cubes of tasty cheese, and Jats crackers. Two sections of the server catch your eye. Glistening, gleaming baubles of red and green are piled high in each, seemingly neglected. A core memory seems to be nagging at the edges of your internal monologue. A warning, perhaps. But you easily push it away as curiosity gets the better of you. Why has no one touched these red and green hard-boiled lollies? They are so festive, so cute. Sure, a little odd in combination with the savouries around it, but it's Christmas and rules are fake. Your mouth begins to water as you prepare for a delightfully sugary raspberry or green apple flavoured sweetie. You pluck a green sphere from its nest and it reaches your mouth before you fully register that it didn't really feel like a hard-boiled lolly. It was curiously wet and a little squishy. You bolt upright as your taste buds respond in shock to the taste of the sphere. Instead of a fruity delight, it's the world's most unwanted pickle. The green cocktail onion. You literally never see these monstrosities at any other time of the year, except for when they show up to fool you as part of an otherwise delicious Christmas spread. From the corner of the patio, you hear two cackles from the Tweedles D and Dumb of your family as they watch you. It's us, Lucas and Josie, and we are here today to talk to you about Australian Christmas foods. Ah. Uh. <laughs> but before we get started, uh, I just want to acknowledge that Australian Gothic is being recorded on unceded stolen lands of the Yagara, Turrbal, and Kwandamuka peoples. Yes, yes, thank you. And uh, going back to the scenario, I'm I'm pointing and laughing at you. Ah, <laughs> fucking gotcha. <laughs> uh, Lucas, have you ever had this happen with you, whether as a child or an adult, with the cocktail onions? No, I don't think <gasps> so. I, I remember really liking the look of them as a child, but, like, I, I understood they were pickled onions and that I would not like them. Uh, I do actually don't mind a pickled onion now. I can't remember the last time I ever saw one. Um, they are extremely uh, dated-looking. Um, they're absolutely something my parents would have, like, put out just for, like, more ornamental sort of decoration yes. than anything. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the same with my family too. Like, I love pickles, but fuck me if I'm going to have a green pickled cocktail onion. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know how it gets so green. Yeah, yeah, look, and um, I don't know. Again, I don't I don't mind them, but I, I don't recall. Look, maybe now, maybe they're just a Christmas thing. Maybe I'll start seeing them in the shops soon, but, like, I can't remember the last time I saw the multicoloured pickled onions, little cocktail onions. Um, they feel <laughs> like something from another time. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure they, like, are. And that, like, sort of like the, you know what Nuts and Bolts is? Uh, no. What's that? It's like, oh, gosh. Okay, so this is something I didn't know about until I met my husband. It's like a mix of peanuts and, like, Nutri-Grain and curry powder. And it's like this 
savory sweet mix of weirdness and it's, i think it's like really cheap to make and like put in jars and give to people apparently mm. a lot of people around australia have had nuts and bolts i think that similar to the cocktail onion might be something that's sort of going out of style never heard of it <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Well, feel free to Google it if you want. I personally wouldn't recommend trying it. I think we can get the sweet and savoury <laughs> other ways these days, Yeah. <laughs> uh, even in this economy. But, you know, I'm not going to yuck your yum. Lucas, could you please... I, I feel I love hearing about people's traditions and, like, especially around food. So could you please enlighten us on what your childhood sort of Christmas food look like and if you have created any newer ones as you've grown older sure yeah when i was a kid um yeah my mum is a trained chef and what i yeah yeah my mum's a chef like owned a restaurant <laughs> sort of years and years ago um a lot of our a lot of our cooking um we'll probably get into this later that like in australia there is this kind of like clash or back and forth between like very northern hemisphere style christmas foods and like stuff that mm -hmm. is actually like appropriate for the fucking temperature of the day um yes. but uh <laughs> we we almost always because we usually threw like biggish things and it was like pretty still hard work for mum but you know probably easier for her than it is for like fucking me uh so we would usually have like both a turkey and a ham chipolatas uh, sorry usually the entree would be like snacky things but always guacamole because that was just really popular with us kids oh. then prawns uh, then the main meal itself, so like Northern Hemisphere style, uh, <laughs> ham, turkey, chipolatas, stuffing, gravy, roast vegetables, very stodgy. Yeah. Then plum pudding and custard. Uh, by the end of the day, you would have eaten like more calories than in, in one day than you would in like a few days. Totally. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like you're allowed to do that. Um, so nowadays, um, we don't really do that. Um, we... My wife and I are trying to move away from having, like, Christmas traditions. Like, we're trying to mm -hmm. play it, like, fast and loose each year because, like, particularly we did have to have sort of an adjustment period where, like, you know, we had to explain to sort of, like, certain relatives on, like, both sides of our families that, like, hey, we have a new family now and we're, we're not going to... We're not going to keep every tradition alive. You know, we're not going to do the same, mm -hmm. you know, static thing every year, uh, which is good because I could not be able would not be able to host Christmas every year. Like, I do not have my mum's yeah. power. But, yeah, so, I don't know. I feel like when we do Christmas lunches now, like, I'll do one or the other. I'll do ham or a turkey. Probably ham just because it's much easier and keeps for longer. And you can serve it cold. Exactly, yeah. Because, uh, as we'll get into, Christmas is usually the hottest day of the year here. Uh, it is... It is ex okay, like, I know that there's, I'm sure there's, like, other hot days around it, but Christmas, I think it's because of the food we tend to eat, it feels like the hottest fucking day I've ever lived in my life. Like, I hate it. Oh, can I, I just one more memory before. Yeah, not, not of course. To, not to keep going on about this, but. um. No, I love hearing about it. Because uh, we were roasting all this stuff, this was sort of, you know, <laughs> the mid-90s, Um, air conditioning was not that common. And also, like, it mm -hmm. probably didn't get as hot as it was now, but, like. So we would just have like the whole house open with fans going, but because you have like roast meat being served on platters, you would get flies fucking everywhere and it would mm -hmm. legit get a little bit, you know, you have prawns and so that just attracts uh, oh insects. My God. 
And then like, even though you have like covers and this was before the invention of those like honestly kind of useless little fan things you have on tables now. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, like honestly, as a kid, there were moments where it was just like, I am sick of these fucking flies. So like us kids would probably like eat our food and then like retreat to the playroom or outside or like just somewhere to get away from like all of that heat. Mm-hmm. But did you, were you set up with leftovers for quite a few days afterwards? Oh, yeah. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, sadly, like this year, this year, I was also going to ask like what sort of initiate the conversation of what we're doing this year because uh, mm -hmm. this year I'm not hosting and I'm thrilled about it but I realised that the, the drawback of that is that I'm not going to have turkey and ham to graze on for the following week. Right? It's <laughs> devastating. Bring your own containers. Like, just bring your own, like, <laughs> plastic containers and bring bring it home. If, if they're not offering, just take it. Just, just shove sliced ham in my pockets and just tip gravy into, yeah, yeah. Yes. What was your childhood Christmas like? <laughs> uh, from a food standpoint, it was very good. Very much overcated every year. My mum always threw Christmas breakfast and we would have several types of meat. I think my dad, sorry, my dad worked for my mum's parents um, and they would always gift all the workers a Christmas ham so we always knew we would have ham then there was definitely like we had like pork we didn't have turkey I didn't have turkey until I was an adult our big tradition that like I have purposefully kept into adulthood is that the first thing we will drink on Christmas day is like a glass of icy cold like breaker chocolate milk uh -huh. um that is, like, that's just the first thing. There's no reason. <laughs> that's just what we always did. And I made a conscious decision to keep that as an adult. And I look forward to it every year. Um, that's really nice. It's really nice. And it's actually, like, yes, it's milk, but it's so cold and delightful. Yeah, so that's something that's, like, really happy. And I don't, you know, I feel like buying a two-liter chocolate milk is, like, that's what Christmas is to me because I don't buy it any other time of year, especially in that quantity. <laughs> and then otherwise, like, so we would have so many fucking savory stuff. And then like desserts were um, trifle, which, you know, is supposedly was like created as like using leftovers of different desserts. But like, I don't know about in other countries, but here we certainly make trifle um like we'd go and buy the cake and make the jelly and mm -hmm. custard to put together to make trifle um yeah so there's that um but then as an adult i'm very much someone who like has to put in a lot of boundaries with like what how i'm gonna spend my time around christmas mm -hmm. and i've never hosted i don't necessarily intend to but like and i prefer potluck anyway mm -hmm. but what I do is because like we if I am going somewhere like we all try and like pitch in somehow and the way that I like to pitch in is I make funeral potatoes um <laughs> do you know what funeral potatoes are uh it rings a bell but uh not off the top of my head no okay it's basically so I only found out about it a few years ago when I was like doing this project of cooking 
a dish from every US state and I, I lost all my pictures. So I'll have to start it again. Oh no. Um, <laughs> but the state dish for Utah was something called funeral potatoes. And basically like it's called that because it's like the, it's a dish that people will usually like bring to a wake or like, you know, in a period of grief mm-hmm. and you know, you want to just like feed people and that sort of thing. Um, but what it actually is, is like fucking two kilos worth of um, frozen hash browns, <laughs> like two cans of cream of mushroom soup, so much sour cream. I think there's like two or three cups of cheese Oh. and all this shit mixed together. And then it's topped with butter drenched cornflakes and baked and it is the best shit i can only i only make it at christmas time because it is so fucking good and it's so bad for you but (laughs) i will have to make it for you sometime and i hope you like it it if you have a sensitive tummy it will make you shit yourself but it's worth it it's worth it (laughs) no no i was talking about this on twitter the other day i am i am not at all a fussy eater i i will eat any old shit i and i do think it is a one like someone was talking about like hey this is my superpower i'm fine i'm not fussy i can eat anything and i'm just like it's so good but uh but also no that that actually sounds really fun and like i'm starting to like man i've come across a number of recipes recently that are just like okay now go get a can of soup because you know sure you could like make your own mushroom soup and i don't know make a reduction of mushrooms or something like that but no 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 just buy the fucking can of soup it does it cuts out a number of steps 100 percent like Funeral potatoes, it tastes so good, but really it's just like all you're doing is mixing a whole bunch of processed food together and it tastes like it and it's so good. <laughs> it doesn't have to be anything more than that. I'm also starting to appreciate, yeah, just like sour cream and potatoes with like something a little <laughs> bit, some other savory thing in there, which I can see the mushroom soup doing. So so mm-hmm. no, I, I absolutely believe that this is great and I would probably eat half of it and then go to sleep for a week. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, that is what happens to us. And then there are like a whole bunch, like I've got a list here, I'm sure we'll like touch on them in a second, um, of all sort of different things that have made an appearance in my life from time to time, or like I know are culturally important as like a Christmas food. But yeah, another thing though is like, was brought up, I was brought up with like, I was brought up with getting um, like the chocolate coins every year. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. And I found that curious, like, I'm sure that I've never Googled it or, like, looked into it more, but um, because Hanukkah is around the same time of year and, like, chocolate money is uh, a thing for Hanukkah. Oh. Yeah, I wonder if that's sort of where that was established um, or, like, if, yeah, I don't know how that sort of came about. I know my mum grew up in a very, like, Jewish part of Melbourne. Oh. As far as I know, we're not Jewish. But, like, she just knows all these Jewish breads and recipes, and I just knew all this stuff. And so, like, I that's curious. I'm just like, did we absorb some of that along the way? It's very odd. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's cool, though, because, like, as I become increasingly observant, this is going to be my first year, like, su- trying to, like, celebrate Hanukkah a bit more. And so, like that's something that is like sort of bridging I guess the two holidays together like Hanukkah isn't a very important Jewish holiday but like because of where it sits in relation to Christmas like it's yeah there's a 
it's seen from the outside as like a very important thing. But it's fun because it's like just lots of food, lots of like the thing is that oily food because the idea is like the oil of Vahanakaya burned for ages and didn't go out. And so like the way you celebrate is by eating really like oily food, deep fried donuts and latkes and stuff like that. But I'm also like, no, again, <laughs> fucking again, I live in a hot area. The last thing I want to be doing is frying shit. Like, that's the last thing I want to be doing. So, yeah, really rude. Um, uh, I guess, sorry, before we sort of, like, go through the list, uh, my last thing that I've sort of developed in adulthood is I know that eggnog is seasonal in the Northern Hemisphere, or at least the United States, because of that Simpson thing about, like, Homer fills the fridge full of eggnog because they're, like... (laughs) <laughs> There's only, like, a certain amount of, like, noggy days before the government takes it away again. And that's exactly how I feel. Uh, eggnog seems to be increasing in popularity every year here. Really? I don't know how people in the United States have it, but Robert and I, we just have it cold, either straight or we get, um, oh my gosh, my favorite. We get uh, Sailor Jerry spiced rum and eggnog and a huge big, like ice cube and on a hot night that is just like the nicest drink to have after the kid is down um and that's our sort of little tradition okay Um, i've i've never had an eggnog that i've really liked but like mm -hmm. you know that sounds great and and it occurs to me that like okay yeah i can use like sick rum and i could probably make i've i've bought like packaged eggnog from coles and like really not liked it but i suppose the ones you make yourself and i could i could probably make a really good one Okay, I, Ooh, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I've never make- made my own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't that. I ain't, no, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's tough in Australia because there are so many. One of my other anecdotes that I had is that a couple of years ago, uh, just for shits and giggles for a mate's Christmas party, I made a gingerbread house like from scratch, mm-hmm. and it was and it was a fucking nightmare because gingerbread is something that was again pioneered in, sort of like I guess the Northern Hemisphere when it's really cold and to work with it to stop the the dough from turning into just like runny goo you need to be in like a freezing climate and this was like in a shitty rental with like terrible air conditioning so you know i'm i'm trying to like cut this dough into shape and shape you know make a house shape and i'm just like oh fuck i need to like stick this in the freezer for longer whilst i made it and it was really fun my wife and i assessed that like okay this is a lot of fucking work and I was, like, just thinking, like, then you're also gluing it together with icing, which does not cooperate in the Brisbane heat um, at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that sounds like a freaking mess. Look, it is royal icing, which turns into, like, concrete almost immediately. Like, Oh, okay. My fun joke at this party was, like, I presented it to my mate Lydia and then said, okay, I want you to fucking smash it with your fist. And she was like... I can't do that. I can't do that. Everyone, it was like her and a bunch of her housemates that I presented this gingerbread house to. And uh, also I cut it because I just had a gingerbread man cutter. I cut out like a gingerbread man shape and used a trick where you get like boiled lollies, like you were talking about at the start, put them in the hole and they kind of melt to make like stained glass. Oh, that's cute. It looked cute, but it did also kind of look horrific, sort of like something out of Annihilation. Um, So it was, and also I... Also, I put one of my little film lights in there, so it had an eerie glow about it. That's cute as. And and they refused to smash it. They were like, you do it. And so, yeah, I was just like, okay. And I'd had like five beers at this point. So I just like 
took a swing at this fucking house and it was sturdy as hell. It took me like a couple of goes to punch this thing down. <laughs> it was tasty though. And like the, I'm also thinking like the ginger and like the spices that go into gingerbread, that's like really warming. Like that's just not suitable as well. Like just from a sort of palate perspective, like. It was a very hot night in Paddington Ooh. and and whilst, oh, no. and whilst we had like fans on and we were slightly elevated, like it is meant to be consumed when it's snowing by a fire. Yes. Oh my gosh. Have you ever had a white Christmas? As in like the <laughs> the, the weather. We'll get to the other type of white we're not Christmas. Ta- in a yeah, second. we'll get to the slice. Um mm-hmm. no, I don't think I have. No. That's a dream of mine. I would love to be able to eat all these things in the appropriate weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> yes. Um the next one I just want to quickly bring up another thing that does not suit the climate that we're in all the fucking baking recipes that require (laughs) kofa uh which will run us into the white christmas section if you're ready for that to come up sure sure um now yeah so for international listeners i don't think you folks have kofa or you at least call it something else um it's just it's coconut oil basically we always store it in the fridge and i mean now that i i know that it's like mostly coconut oil it makes sense because i don't know about you lucas but you know i use coconut oil in other ways for cooking and i know when it's finally like becoming the end of um summer here because my coconut oil in my pantry will finally start to solidify again yeah um, yep. and, and like this is a common thing in cooking in brisbane at the very least is when a recipe says room temperature that does not mean Brisbane room temperature. <laughs> so <laughs> that it does not mean that. Um, but yeah, so uh, the huge ones, um, the biggest sort of Christmas foods um, that have kofa in it. I mean, there's chocolate crackles, which are all year round, I, in my opinion. Um, but there's also white Christmas, which um, before you get stuck into it, Lucas, because uh, I know you've done a lot of reading about this i also just want to say like uh if folks haven't joined the australian gothic discord yet i'd highly recommend it um we all nerded the fuck out in there over the like approximate um inception of white christmas as like a a food in australia um but take it away lucas yeah, and look, uh, by extensive research, I, I really am standing on the shoulders of the Discord members who who really answered my question, who I who I sadly turned into my little Cora, and yeah, thank you all, you are very patient with me. Because uh, I was trying to... I, I never encountered White Christmas Slice as a child. I think I only had it last year. So um, what it is wow. is, I guess, uh, puffed rice, or I guess, you know, rice bubbles, the cereals is called here, uh i guess sometimes white chocolate or like milk powder and glacé cherries or like you know mm-hmm. candied fruit usually cherries and it's a kind of you know ricey fruit slice and you know our broad oh, assessment coconut. is that and and kofa yeah uh, which is you know a vegetable sort of extender um <laughs> and uh, our our broad assessment is that white Chris, the white christmas slice is okay it's fine <laughs> it's fine uh but I kept hearing, it's weird because I admit I'm a bit of a silo, I'm a weird little dandy boy, uh, never came across it as a child, uh, 
assured by other people that it was a common thing, but I kept reading all these things, you know, researching this episode saying that it's, you know, white Christmas is traditional and it's a proud Australian dish. <laughs> it's very traditional. And I was just like, why can't I find any fucking records of it? You know, other than like, you know, friend of the show, Jordan saying, you know, he found a recipe from the eighties. Actually, no, he, sorry, they, they linked that recipe from the eighties, but weirdly enough, the Wikipedia page, all of the links they were citing were wrong. Like I saw that too. It was weird. Yeah. It was just like a link to the movie white Christmas and all the food served in that. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? This has nothing to do with the slice. Yeah. But fortunately, um, other members of the Discord like are just better at this than me and should have that should take over the podcast probably. <laughs> um, they they went back and found records indicating that White Christmas uh, appeared as early as the 30s, uh, was pushed by the company Kofa as like, hey, check out this thing you can make using our product. But you know that means it was probably in decentish circulation. You know, being passed around by you know, you know all sorts of different cooks. CWA. Like women's yeah. association, sort of. Like I reckon, I reckon there's probably like a country women's association cookbook floating around out there with like the first ever white Christmas recipe, like because that's how this shit gets passed around, right? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. People keep making it, and then eventually it gets submitted to like a test kitchen or something like that, and they probably tweak it a little bit, and then yeah, it gets pushed as like, hey, here's a great use of this like blob of coconut, like. Oh my gosh. So, um, there's like multiple Kofa recipe books on Trove that I didn't look through properly, but like they suggest like using it with meat and stuff like that, um, which is fucking gross. Like, could you imagine like meat, well, I was going to say meat slice, but I realize I eat sliced meats all the time. So yeah, but it's not coconut oil holding it together. That sounds disgusting. Look, look, I don't know. I mean, uh, does coconut oil have a high smoking temperature? Is it kind of like vegetable oil in that regard? Sorry, we're a cooking podcast now a little bit. I should know this, but I don't. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, you could use it to fry stuff. I think it could be fine. But yeah, just I, I don't know. We just have a big tub of vegetable oil. So I don't really think about using anything else. Yeah, yeah. I. It's very, very weird. It's sort of like, I guess you could technically use Kofa in like any sort of way that you're going to use any other oil but like why would you <laughs> that's weird my main experience of kofu again just growing up with like a chef mum uh shout out to mum of the show lynn uh is it's very good for like not tempering chocolate but if you want if you're making say like oh, a caramel yeah. slice or something and you want your chocolate to be like very smooth and to not crack you mm-hmm. add kofu to it and that. And you don't have to use kofa. You can use like vegetable oil, any sort of like neutral flavored oil. Uh, makes the chocolate much more even, makes it not crack, makes it look much more pleasing and smooth. Yeah. Yeah, that was my main experience of kofa growing up. I think that's what it does with the white Christmas slice. Yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, makes it smooth and silky and stuff like that. Which is, I actually do like the, the, the consistency of kofa. I know a lot of people don't, but I do. Sort of adjacent to that, uh, I didn't. Did you do any research or reading, or did you grow up with rumbles? Oh, I love rumbles. I love rumbles. I need to do some research because I have little kids now, and I, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, I'm pretty sure my no, I think my mum used actual rum in them. Whoa! Because I know you can get like rum flavored stuff, or there's plenty of things you can do to like rum essence. 
Rum essence, yeah. My mum used rum essence and I use it too because, yeah. <laughs> my dad would have just drank it otherwise. Fucking hell. Uh, uh, look, probably in my teens, uh, also true. But uh, but no, I remember mum <laughs> just being like buying because, you know, my parents were not big spirit drinkers back in the day. Like uh, just buying like a little bottle of Bundy or something like that. Yes, Actually probably yeah. something like a little bit nicer and, you know, chucking that in. And it was always like a, hey, you can have like one or two. Because like... I guess, I'm not sure how many rumbles you get out of a batch, but like if you have two or three, you're probably not getting enough of a like alcohol hit to do anything. You're going to be okay. <laughs> you don't cook the rum at all, do you? In it? It's like, it's a... No, no, no. Okay, good point. Some people steep, like keep their rumbles in rum. Oh, what? Yeah, I'm not about that. They go soggy. Yeah, so I'm the- not about that. Do you want to explain what rumbles are to our... our... That's what I was going to (laughs) do. And why this is fucked. Uh, So rumbles... Yeah. So rumble... Yuck. That actually... Okay, a context of soggy wheat bix by choice, which is (laughs) bizarre. So rumbles are wheat bix or wheat biscuits. I don't know. Yanks probably have something like that. Um, Crushed up. You've got desiccated coconut. uh, You've got coca powder fucking rum essence or rum i'm trying to think of what i i used to make i've only ever made vegan rumbles and i used to like Mm. um make my own condensed oh yeah condensed milk that's what gives it most of the yummy flavor yeah i used to like this is before you could buy vegan condensed milk i used to like make my own condensed milk with like um coconut cream and stuff like that that and and everything it was it was actually i prefer my vegan ones to like regular ones but yeah so yeah so you mush up all those things roll them into balls then you roll them in the coconut then you usually refrigerate them and they are really nice even in brisbane even with like a little bit of warmth from the rum because like they are refrigerated the coconut sort of like a little bit tropical really really yummy having one soggy Oh my god! Steeping them, they would they would just dissolve. They turn into sludge. Like, <laughs> but so rummy. Which, in my opinion, the rum is actually just like okay. Like, I also just make them without the rum too because the rum is meant to be more like an aromatic thing, and you know mm-hmm. you're getting like you know you could almost like yeah phase it out and do like I don't know like just whatever the major spices are you find in rum. Like I don't know, vanillary, cinnamony kind of stuff. You could just, you could just add that. I'm getting some ideas. Getting inspired. <laughs> I mean, I, I still want to put rum. Look, I'll make two batches. Yeah, I'll good. make like a safe batch for the children, and then like, you know, grown up rumbles. You can make a soggy batch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will make the the soggy yucky balls, and you know, they will, <laughs> they'll get all over. Oh no. Which no, to be fair, that mirrors that mirrors uh, the experience of living in Brisbane during the summer. Oh, <laughs> Soggy yucky balls. Sorry. Oh it's gonna drip everywhere. It's gonna look like you've got poo all over your face. It's a oh my god. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> are we are we talk? What are we talking about here? We're talking about the food still. Soggy balls. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh no. <laughs> Both of us have like had half a beer. Uh-huh. Yep. Half of it. Um <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next on my thing, prawns. Now, you mentioned that you had prawns. I certainly had prawns. How did you folks eat your prawns? 
Uh, they were usually like, you know, the whole thing about like trying to get like local, I guess, tiger prawns because they're sort of like the biggest ones and have like the nicest flavor. They were, they were bought, cooked already and you mm -hmm. peel them. And, you know, of course the most annoying part of eating prawns is like peeling them. Uh, I personally did it all in like one big batch. Uh, a lot of people forget that there is meat in the tail and they just like waste all this, like all this very expensive prawn meat. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I pull the shells off. I pull out the little poo line at the back. <laughs> poo, yeah, the poo line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah do Sorry. some people not take that out? Like some people don't take it out. Fucks me up. Oh, that's oh, that's weird. Uh, and typically, it was served with a prawn sauce, which was usually I can't remember what what exactly it was. Um, some kind of cream, uh, tomato sauce, Tabasco, and cracked pepper. That was what my mum and dad always made. And I'm not sure if that's, people probably have their own recipes or something like that. But I, if there are prawns available, because like getting the fucking things is a pain in the ass. And I like, I was considering getting prawns last year when we hosted, <laughs> but I was like, we've already bought the ham. Nicola no. and my mums are, are, were already bringing stuff. And it's just like, I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to get prawns. Like, I'm not going to like wait in line for hours and then pay all that money. Because I, I don't know. I definitely spoke about this on a, um bonus episode of a hill to die on i have like this theory about prawns and like eating prawns in the summer at christmas is like in my opinion like a, a way of flaunting leisure leisure and and time you know prawns have long actually been like a, a very important i guess industry in australia for like a really long time and that's only seemingly increased i don't know about like recent years like i don't know the actual numbers but like the culture around getting prawns like you said the fresh more fresh more local the better which is like a good thing for seafood anyway but it is so deranged when it comes to prawns at christmas time that there are places that are open till 10 p.m in um freaking you know like port side mm -hmm. in brisbane there's like a place where there's a huge lineup people bring their own eskies uh one christmas i was staying up the coast and you know, people were standing in the sun in summer. They had coffee carts planted at different points in the line because the line was would take so long that, like, people would grab a coffee when they got to that checkpoint. And, like, oh. um, yeah. And so, you know, you're spending that time. Granted, you know, if you're lucky enough that you have holidays or anything around Christmas time as it is, but then the act of eating prawns, and I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. I'm just saying like, um, just like being able to like sit there and really enjoy de-shelling and taking out the poo line and like using your hands. Like it's a, I, I like that um, sort of mi more mindful eating than sort of a lot of other eating we do. But yeah, I don't know. I sort of see it as like a really like. It's very indulgent. And I'm not saying that I'm not putting like a moral thing on that. I just think that certainly is like that's and like people get really excited about the prawns too it's kind of sweet actually like they're like oh i, I got some fresh prawns from malulaba or something like that and um i personally like i prefer my prawns fried in butter and garlic mm. you know warm but like i can see i can see the appeal of at least like sitting down and having that sort of slower meal i get that but yeah it's a huge it's a huge deal in australia like i can't and this is a coastal thing. Obviously, I imagine things are different the further inland you get. But coastal 
fucking prawns up the wazoo. Like, my God. And for international listeners, if you don't know what prawns are, I mean, I feel like you should, but like shrimp, I guess, but they're huge. Yes. Massive. But yeah, that's my prawn rant. <laughs> no, no, that was a good prawn rant. I like garlic prawns as well. Mm-hmm. Any other time of year, like one of my favorite recipes to make, uh, one of one of my mum's favorite recipes is Thai green curry with prawns. Oh, it sounds so good. It's it's so good. I should make it sometime. Curry with seafood, like seafood curry is fucking good. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with you because, you know, last year when I was uh, doing everything, you know, I was trying to like tidy my house. I was still working. I, you know, needed to get the ham ready to go. You know, Nicola and I talked about it. It was just like, are we going to get prawns? And I was just like, fuck no, I'm not standing in line. You can pre-order just about anything nowadays, but they will not let you pre-order prawns. Like you cannot just like pay in advance, go and pick up your prawns and fuck off. It's like, no, you have to stand in line or you, you have to have like someone in your family who is willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me that the prawns were usually a thing my Nana would bring. Ah. And it occurred to me that it was probably because like, yeah, like Nana was retired. So, you know, <laughs> uh, and didn't, and you know, like all her children were grown up. So Nana's job was like bringing the prawns and maybe like a cake if she had time, but you know. Right. That's interesting. And uh, now it occurs to me, yeah, like last year we made the call. It's just like, you know, God, we're putting so much resources into this thing as it is. No, we're not doing the prawns. Like That's interesting. I'm now thinking about like who has been responsible for what in families. And I'm also thinking about, I don't have the same experience with prawns, but I'm just thinking about my husband's family and how his grandma would make like the Christmas pudding and the Christmas cake and at least the Christmas pudding like they do the thing where you like you boil it but then like it hangs for like a while like you make it ages in advance which I didn't realize was a thing I just thought we got it from the shops and like I don't know if that whole process actually takes a while or anything but it's like I remember Robert's mum then like um she's retired now but beforehand like feeling guilty that she didn't have the time to like do the things her mum did but I'm like I wonder if it is sort of just this tension of like well who had the time who has the time people are retiring later so they're like well I'm the grandma and I should be making like this pudding but like maybe you still work right now so you can't yeah do that and like yeah I don't know I I've I've just never thought about it beyond prawns before but it it's interesting that like maybe some of these traditions will eventually like fade out and new ones will come along um that may be a more also like temperature appropriate too which does bring me to the only tiny little bit of like so i've been on like a fucking just trove bender at the moment which like (laughs) international listeners trove is like i guess like digital archive of like old newspapers and magazines and all sorts of stuff when I feel like I want to have some control and I'm contributing something to society I just like type in random things into trove and then I text correct because like the automatic sort of like transcription from like the pdfs isn't very good a lot of the time oh okay I decided to like yeah type in christmas pudding and I found out that um earliest this was like decades ago that someone wrote about how like absurd christmas pudding is in australia as like a christmas food because they were just like this is so clearly a british thing that we refused to get rid of because it's not at all appropriate for our weather it was it's been instilled as an australian 
tradition since at least the first Christmas card that was printed in Australia in 1881, which depicted a girl offering a piece of Christmas pudding to a swagman. Oh my god. At least 1881, it was whether or not it was already like a tradition at that point or if it was like pushed into Australia as like, no, this is our tradition, which is, you know, again, running theme of this podcast is something we love to do, but it doesn't make any sense. Oh, we even have the fucking, um, what's that pudding? Magic pudding. We even have magic pudding. Yeah. The, the, the shitty book by Norman Lindsay that was made into a movie when I was about to enter high school and I was just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I like Christmas pudding. Mm -hmm. My mum makes the Christmas pudding. I agree it is not at all appropriate. Quick sidebar, um, we will talk about the film The Proposition by John Hillcote at some point. What's that? John Hillcote. Uh, a really, really good, really tense uh, drama western. Okay. Guy Pierce is a criminal who's oh, being tasked with like tracking down a bushranger. Uh, I haven't seen it in years. I remember liking it. It's like quite violent at points. <laughs> but uh, one of the, it is, it is extremely gothic. It's extremely our shit. Okay. One of the key scenes involved the wife of the police constable character trying to set up Christmas lunch and like going to buy a turkey in this mm. like incredibly rural, arid country town, uh, you know, and trying to do this deeply inappropriate, like this very British Christmas in this environment that just like... That sounds great. Like it's a, Look, it sounds good, but also like in the film, it is presented as just like, yeah, what this lady is doing is like trying to hang on to like her past and she's in this deeply unfamiliar like kind of frightening place to her that's so interesting yeah that is a tension in that film but going back to uh, christmas pudding um one of the things i came upon in my research is like i finally you know i've understood for a couple of years but really sort of cinched that like christmas is cobbled together from a bunch of like pagan winter festivals mm -hmm. and it's funny because like i didn't realize that china has a winter solstice festival called dongji i'm not sure i'm pronouncing it correctly but um that takes place just before Christmas and is like a banquet kind of event. Huh. And basically, basically every Northern Hemisphere culture has a winter solstice event because winter sucked shit. Mm -hmm. And it was a time of like famine and starvation. So winter festivals were kind of like celebrating the midway point. Right. And also it was like, all right, we got to, we got to like slaughter a couple of animals. So there's less animals to feed. And also we can use that to like mm. feed ourselves. Um, uh, Christmas pudding is made with a thing called suet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is animal fat. It's like really sort of chunky, hard-looking animal fat. It looks horrible. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's dried fruit as well, and so which is, you know, something you had to have in those kind of settings. You know, you were like anything you weren't eating, you were like preserving so your children wouldn't die during winter. Right. And it seems like the, the pudding itself is like preserved, like it's cured sort of thing yeah in and of itself which is interesting you boil it in like a muslin muslin thing yeah, you let yeah. it hang uh then when you almost like even though you bake it you then pour like a flammable spirit on it and like light it up <laughs> for some reason in our family and you know to this day um it is traditional to put old-timey money in the yes. pudding so that you fuck up your teeth yes that was something that I had never come across until I met Robert's family. Because, yeah, I just went, I just, like, stuck into my pud, as you do. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, metallic. 
oh my fucking tea what the fuck is this? and they're like oh yeah the coin's in the pudding and I, I was just like are you fucking with me is this like a new person joining the family thing are you telling me this fucking <laughs> like what the fuck but no apparently this is the thing people do yeah and when i was a child like you know my my parents warned us it's just like okay there is money in there and if you find money we will give you like you know, fiat Australian currency for every, like, fucking shilling you find or whatever the fuck the old money is called. And uh, I don't know how much longer the tradition will last because last year at Christmas, Nicola and I kind of roasted both our mums for, like, uh, how stupid old-timey Australian money sounds. In Australia, we just have, like, dollars and cents. But before that, we used, like, a version of the British system, like pounds, pence. And then, you know, I guess back then there wasn't as much inflation, so currency was worth more. So it was worth having all the stupid denominations of coins, like a shilling or a fruppence or... It was also made out of a different material, so you could actually bake it into it, whereas now you have to insert it. Like, if you're going to use modern coins, you, you can't... Do not bake modern coins into your fucking pudding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will poison yourself. Um, But yeah, like, uh, we started... You know, Nicola and I, you know, about six beers deep at this point, we're just like making fun of it. It's just like, oh, how many shillings in a tupper cunt? Like, how many tupper cunts in a fucking off? Like, just being, probably just being a bit rude, but also like, it's it's a it's a silly tradition, and and also like it means, it means when you finish the pudding, you can't just at least in our house, you can't just throw away the pudding. You have to like mash it up in the sink, <laughs> and like try and sift through and find the fucking money. And I've had to sift through and find the remaining shillings and pence or whatever the fuck they were. And uh, yeah, watching it all like get clogged up in the sink is deeply Gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> poor drain health. Um, have you ever read Rant by Chuck Polinick? No, no, I've only read Fight Club. In, in that book, I mean, that's a fucking wild book in general. Um, not actually a huge fan of his, um, but um, there's something that like, main character's mum I think does where she like puts like bakes razor blades and like pins into her food because she wants people to enjoy the food and if they know that there's like a threat to their being if they just like hoof it down then they're gonna stop and chew it slowly and really be mindful about it and that's what I think of like whenever I think of like coins in um the pudding i'm like oh you you really want me to taste this motherfucker because like i might break off a tooth if i just like <laughs> inhale it like i normally would and i also just had like this invasive thought of like fucking like elon musk giving his kids like fucking soylent green bake for christmas <laughs> lunch and saying they'll get a fucking nft or something or be verified. He's, He's not, not seeing his kids for Christmas. Kids or some shit. No, he ain't giving his kids shit. Yeah, I guess we should get to like what modern Australian food is now because um that's increasingly what I'm finding. Like when I host Christmas and stuff, it's like I want something that's you know I'm happy to do a ham because like look here's the thing with ham it's already cooked mm -hmm. you just need to glaze it and that's fun because a glaze can be whatever the fuck you want so it's just like I don't know I. The one I kind of go with is just like orange juice and brown sugar and I don't know, whatever the fuck you want to add to it, some spices, and then uh, make slices in it like Pinhead from Hellraiser and put little cloves in each little uh, slice. <laughs> yeah. And then you just got to bake it. And that also means as well that like you're not roasting the whole damn house. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I like barbecues. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's good as well because at least like it's hot, but it's outside and it's already hot already. Who cares? Mm. You know, I like doing fish and uh, I actually saw a really cute recipe for a pavlova that had been like sliced up to kind of look like a Christmas tree. Oh, yeah. Pavlova's good. Do you want to describe what that is to overseas people? Okay, pavlova, pavlova I found out is contentious because there's people who say it's from the UK. There's people who say it's from New Zealand. Okay, my understanding is that it's like a big meringue shell that you either hollow out or, you know, cook it in a way so that it is like hollow or like a big ring with like raised sides. And then you fill it with like cream and fruit and stuff like that. And it is considered... Once again, contentious because it for years it was presented as just like, this is our dessert. We made this. This is our dessert. But it's just like, like Vegemite, it's like, no, there's fuck tons of places that have yeah. like meringue cakes. Yes. It's, yes. 100%. I remember at school, like they had the ABC, you know, usually shitty song books. And there was like a Pavlova song that sucks shit that still, still haunts my dreams. Because <laughs> even as a kid, I was just like, this song sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Fucking everyone talks about the, um, Paul Kelly, How to Make Gravy song. I only heard, like listened to it for the first time last year because everyone was talking about it like it was common knowledge, sort of like you with White Christmas. Um, do you know this song? Uh, I've listened to it a couple of times. Uh, I remember initially hearing the the recipe part of the song and thinking like, eh, that sounds kind of gross, but now I'm just like, okay, no, that could work. That could be a fine gravy. Gravy is whatever the fuck you want to be. Basically. Um, but yeah, and look, remember, uh, music is our next episode. Christmas songs are the next episode. Oh yeah, sorry, that's what I was saving it for. But it's sort of like a mix. To be continued on the Paul Kelly, How to Make Gravy. Have you made that gravy before? I haven't made that gravy before, but like I know it's... He says something about like wine and tomato sauce and some other stuff. And I'm just like, look, sure. Sure, why not? Sure, why not? Probably not my favorite gravy. Yeah. Like a lot of, again, something we come back to. I did have a section of the notes called Filling the Void. Mm-hmm. And I thought, just because I thought it'd be funny for our Christmas episode to have a thing called Filling the Void. But uh, it, it, it came to me just after the recording the Vegemite episode that, yeah, like a thing that happens when you're a relatively new country and you don't have this like big history to distract from all the ongoing atrocities that were done in the founding of your country uh, you kind of latch on to shit and you try and, you know, push like, okay, this breakfast paste, we like it, we, we are, we're obsessed with it and it's a part of our national identity. Uh, a sort of similar thing kind of happens with Christmas, saying that, you know, white Christmas slice is like very traditional, even though like it's not that old, not very good. Yeah, a similar thing happened with the Paul Kelly song. It kind of mm-hmm. like took off and there was like, yeah, the Tim Minchin song as well. And I guess like we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll get to that in the next episode. Oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Uh, it's it's nice. But yeah, there's you see this a little bit with Australian Christmas foods and look, it is a it is a fun time of year. It is a way to because there is this conflict within Australian Christmas food about like let's do stuff that's very traditional and look, I have to admit I'm a sucker for roast meat. I will oh, yeah. sit and eat most of a roast whatever until i feel physically ill Mm -hmm. Uh, my family will just like sit around the table and watch in horror as i just eat more gravy Mm -hmm. i'm starting to realize more and more just like oh okay it is it is gonna be way too hot to cook that shit so so yeah i'm starting to warm up to you know more like fish and salads and stuff that doesn't take that long to cook and like you um you know man i'd i'd love to entirely cater christmas and have the resources to like 
feed my entire extended family. But yeah, like you said, it's kind of a potluck thing where like people bring stuff. Yes. Or, you know, we decide like this person is going to bring a salad and mm -hmm. this person is going to bring this and get the dead shit relative to bring the bee in a jar. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And sadly, yeah, you, you will have relatives that's just like, no, don't let them bring anything. It's, mm -hmm. they will fuck it up. Tell them to bring like the serviettes, but then also buy your own serviettes. Uh, last last year, certain family members were just like, "What should we get them to bring? Should we get them to bring beer?" And I was like, "No, not a, no, 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 don't do that." <laughs> Look, we talk a lot about like Australia's relationship with alcohol, but like on Christmas, it's it's fine, it's fine, it's it's legal to drink a six pack of Kaiju Crush and feel very, you know, just feel just feel very full from the beer itself and also the Christmas food. <laughs> like not even drunk, just like, oh, that was a very thick beer. That was yeah, <laughs> yes. But otherwise, um, no, I'm very excited. This year, uh, my family uh, have been invited to my sister's, like, husband's family. Mm -hmm. um, they, are, they are kind of, like, nuts about it. Um, it's going to be one of those things where, like, you offer to help, you offer to bring stuff, and they're just like, no, 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 no. And I know I'm still going to feel guilty about it anyway, but, uh, but no, I'm looking forward to it. You can always just bring, like, a little, like, jar or something. Bring some pickled onions. <laughs> yes yes if i can find the damn things otherwise i'll yes. just make my own surely <laughs> surely it's just cocktail onions and food dye and you just steep the fucking things i mean i make my own pickled onions and they, they slap they're not those little baubles it's it's the it's being fooled it's being fooled about the onions that is the worst part in my opinion it's like um when you think when you think you like you're like well, how are there choc chip cookies at the bottom of this cookie jar? Like, I've just hit the jackpot. Incredible. Then you take a big bite into it and it's fucking sultanas. Horrible. <laughs> it's the betrayal. <laughs> Hate it. Well, I know what someone is getting for the Australian Gothic staff Christmas party. Oh, no. <laughs> what are you up to this Christmas? Oh, yeah. I literally have no idea. Literally no idea. I'm going to have some chalky milk. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to have a few days of chalky coins with Hanukkah, some some donuts, some latkes, mm. and then Christmas, all I know is that there'll be chalky milk, there's probably going to be ham, and then also another good thing about, oh gosh, oh, sorry, you just reminded me about my favourite, 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 more recent part of like what I enjoy about Christmas food, um, the stone fruit in Brisbane, like it's stone fruit season. Got your nectar range, got your peaches, you've got your cherries. Um, they're all in season and are cheaper. Uh, fucking trays of mangoes, the juiciest, ripest mangoes ever. And um, light cheese. Light cheese are also very yummy at this time of year. So I could just sit and eat fruit. I could just be a fruit bat all day. So good. I think one of my favorite desserts, because like I'm, I guess growing up being like just a grubby idiot, I did eat a lot of fruit, but my favorite thing to do with a mango is like do the thing where you crisscross it again, mm -hmm. like Hellraiser. Sorry, I'm such a morbid little ghoul. Um, then you put brown sugar on it and then you get like one of the mm -hmm. creme caramel sort of like blow torches. What? And you sort of, or, or just put it onto the griller. Uh, yeah, but brown sugar on it and you like caramelize it a little bit, serve it oh with ice cream. God. That's really nice. What the fuck? That sounds delicious. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just going to talk about my shower mango, but that yours sounds cool. <laughs> what's, what's the shower mango again? It's where you do the crisscross still, but you eat it cold. It's 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 
You should save it for really hot days. You know those days where it's like, I need to take multiple cold showers just to like get some cold water in this butt crack. And I can almost feel like fucking steam coming off that um, when the cold oh, water God. hits the swamp ass. Oh my God. It's just like one of those days. Get a cold mango, you cut it, but also take the the middle section, you know, the part that you really like have to use your hands with. Take it all in. Take mm-hmm. it all into your cold shower. And then you eat the mango, including the middle part. And it doesn't matter. You can, you're in the cold shower. It doesn't matter how much you go to town on that motherfucker. It's fine. It's like it's. Did did you invent this, or is this just a broader cultural thing? Because I'm I've I've lost track. I can't. I invented this. You invented this. Okay, okay. I invented the shower mango. A lot of people have shamed me for it. I won't be shamed. You should try it. It's a hedonistic delight. It's like it's just like pure like sensory. It's like a shower beer on roids. Oh look, shower beer is fine. Look, look, it makes me think that like you, you had the Maui uh, shampoo and conditioner stuff, which I, which I use and you know, it smelled so fragrant and fruity that you were just like, you know what? I could go. Well, actually that's not how I came across it. I came across it cause it was like, there was like a list of things you could do that were like really cheap, but were like just little joys in life. And someone suggested eating like this list had eating a, an orange, like a cold orange in the shower. I was like, fucking orange. I'm going to have a mango. And then I realized you also got to, you get to eat more of the mango because you can eat like the middle part properly. Uh, this is mango chat. Look, look, you're right. That does actually sound lovely. Uh, it is, it is a kind of like so fucked up and hot here that like, yeah, the way I meant to do my hair, my wife put me onto the, the curly girl method. Mm-hmm. I was about to say curvy girl method, which <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're meant to use like, you know, shampoo that doesn't have sulfates or like a bunch of shit in it. And and you're meant to wash your hair with cold water. And mm-hmm. in winter, uh, because I have curly hair, if you if you haven't seen me before, uh, and you're meant to wash your hair with cold water in order to stop it frizzing. And in the middle of winter, I was like, uh, fuck no, I'm not doing that. No I'm way. having the hottest shower on earth. I'm getting the driest damn skin. But now, <laughs> now I can actually do it properly. And my, my hair is looking great. And uh, maybe next time as a little treat, I will, you know, have a mango while you I know, do it. I think, I think it's perfectly legal for people to say, hey, maybe a shower mango isn't for me. I just think you should let me live my life. That's all I say. <laughs> Look, next time we do, we consider doing any kind of live stream for the show and you can have your shower mango and then just to be like a horrible, disgusting man, I will have like the hottest shower ever and eat like a plum pudding in the shower. Have your soggy rumble in a hot shower. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Oh, get the spiciest rum I can. Oh, God. Gross. (laughs) Why do we do this to each other? Horrible. I I don't have anything else, Josie. Do you have anything else? Uh, I have have nothing. (laughs) I'm all out. Look, I was worried this podcast was going to make me hungry, but don't worry. I fixed that. (laughs) We, We made sure... We made sure that we wouldn't be hungry. Um, yeah, no. Um, anyway, uh, listeners, I'd be keen to hear what your traditions are or have been, even for people who don't observe Christmas. Uh, I spoke to one of my friends and she was saying that um, she doesn't like observe Christmas, but what her and her partner have done is get prawns, get some like white, you know, 
Wonder Bread or whatever it is and um, mayonnaise and just sit by the beach and just have mayonnaise, white bread and prawn sandwiches. And apparently it's just like so nice on a hot day. So yeah, I want to hear all about your Christmas time foods if you have anything we haven't mentioned. Yes, and I got distracted and didn't like, I know I started talking about prawn sandwiches, but yeah, prawn sandwiches are fucking incredible. In fact, I kind of want one one now. I've got my appetite back, but uh, (laughs) yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you like the show, you can follow us on Twitter at OzGothicPod, and you can support the show on Patreon at Australian Gothic Podcast on Patreon. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Luxasm. Uh, Josie is no longer on Twitter per se, but you can follow her other podcast, A Hill to Die on Pod, on Twitter. Uh, That's it. Love you.